Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. The podcast that's future is very much certain, despite advances from Real Madrid networks. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and uh, tonight we are back after a little hiatus. Um, all you basically need to know, well, we'll talk about the World Cup draw maybe a little bit later on, but all you need to know is France are still world champions, that remains unchanged, they played two, they won two. We're moving on. Uh, but yeah, we couldn't align our schedules last week, so apologies. But we are back this week to uh, talk a bit of Liga. And we've kind of got a show today which is a little bit kind of lots of different bits and bobs all thrown into one pod. So hopefully we can find something for everyone. Uh, speaking of people for everyone, Phil and Jez are with me. Good evening to you both. Hello. Hello. Right. As is always the case with the pod, we will go back over the weekend's results first and foremost. Uh, started out on Saturday, no Friday again this week, as uh, so we saw Nice play Ren and did a 1-1 draw. Andy Delors with the opener and Martin Terrier, who's um, he's found some form of late, hasn't he? My goodness, he got the equaliser for Ren in a uh, result that probably favours the away side a little bit more than the hosts. Uh, however, same could not be said for Lille-Bordeaux, a 0-0 draw, not much to see here. Um, probably a bonus point for Bordeaux, Again, given the circumstances and the fact they had 10 men for 60 odd minutes of the game, Quartet was sent off for two bookable offences. Uh, Neil... Sorry, that, go on, that match is more notable for post match where Ben Arthur yeah. got into a couple of fights. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, it, it didn't last Don't long. You surprise me. Yeah, it didn't it? Didn't didn't last long, did it? Poor old Ben Chads. Uh, ben Yed, sorry, uh, Ben Arthur's. Yes, it's it's just one of those things that. Follows him around a bit. Controversy, isn't it? But nevertheless, we move. We shall see where his future ends up next. Uh, on to Sunday's games then. We had uh, a full programme uh, of the rest of the games, which started with a Strasbourg win over... Well, an extra programme because Saint-Étienne Marseille was moved for weather yes. into the multiplex uh, yes. slot on the Sunday, but wasn't in the multiplex, which is really annoying. So I yeah, couldn't actually see it. Yeah, kind of had two different setups going on, and it, you, I picked uh, I picked the wrong channel to watch. Is, let's put it that way. It is worth checking out the goals in that match, though, just for Kolodzic's yaks. Oh, that's yeah, that, that was something <laughs> special. It's not even just the finish, but it it seems like in the build up, two Saint-Étienne players just fall over for no yeah. reason. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird, a bit of a weird kind of uh, uh, set of events, but yeah, quite the quite the finish. I'm going to give it to that. Um, as we, uh, as we, well, we'll come after. We'll just come back to that game because uh, the first game, like I say, of the weekend on the Sunday was the Strasbourg win over uh, over Lens, uh, one goal to nil. Ludovic Jork with the goal. It's his first for a while, actually. But the big man is back with the goals. Nine uh, games. I think. Say again, sorry. Nine matches for your nine? prolific. Yeah, who deserves the place in the France squad? Hush, I didn't say. And, I just, and a, I just a second see it. penalty, which was missed by Kevin Gamero, or rather, Lecco saved it. Yeah, I could save. To be fair, well, yeah. So it, that was a little bit, um, you know, fighting. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't the most um, uh, structured of games. I think is the word I'm going to go with. <laughs> Speaking of which, Claremont and Nantes was very much the same. A 3-2 win for the away side, who uh, continue to have a good old time. They uh, were in front through Ludovic Blaster's opener from the penalty spots. Uh, Kelly scored the equaliser for Claremont before Shiravella, but not back in front. Samed then equalised again for Strasbourg, and Colomani eventually got the winner. Uh, if 
Clermont, sorry. God, inventing teams now. Uh, Nantes um, with the 3-2 victory. Uh, Colin Wani's winner coming with about oh, half an hour to play. Samed also saw red in that particular game. I think I'm right in saying there was like four goals in the space of, was it all well, roughly 10 minutes, wasn't it, in the second half? Because I remember seeing uh, the updates. 43, 58, 62, 63, 67. Yeah, it was fairly chaotic. Uh, the multiplex was largely based in Clermont uh, for that 15-minute spell um, yeah. in the second half because shit just kept happening. It was uh, quite the event, quite the event for sure. Um, but yeah, good win for not that. And Claremont, we will probably touch on, um, continue to be in a little bit of bother. Um, speaking of which, I'll, I'll whiz through this one quite quickly. Sorry, Jez, Mets one, Monaco two. Uh, Benyeda with the opener. Amadou with the equaliser for Mets before Boadou. Bit of symmetry in that. With the um, the winner, um, I think it's fair to say Jez, Mets were a little bit... Um, a little bit generous in this game. Um, but yeah, it's another home defeat and much needed win for, for Monaco in terms of their Champions League uh, aspirations. Um, shall I just move on, Jez? Anything you want to say or should we just pretend it didn't happen? There's one thing I want to say on set. I'm just working it out. No problem. Okay, so um, League A, who had a lot of stick with their sort of official stats tweets that they've been um, releasing this year, because there's been lots about Messi, like Messi is the first person to sneeze four times during a match, legend, that kind of thing. Um, they put out a tweet before the mess match saying something like, Messi's last 10 goals have come from nine different players. The danger comes from everywhere. Just, just to... Um, if it sort of helps put any context to things, those last 10 goals have come since the 27th of November. It's yes. not like the danger yeah. comes from everywhere regularly. I think the thread on that, the responses made that point very clear throughout. So if you look that up and you speak French, it's a chuckle. Yeah, that's... Um... Not no laughing matter for Mets though, unfortunately. Uh, in terms of um, next week, Mets playing Bordeaux, and as I've said before, I actually expect Bordeaux to win quite comfortably. But there is a betting company that is giving odds on both teams to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, maybe not that strange, but yeah, I take the point. Um, speaking of strange things, Montpellier lost at home to to Brest. Um, oh. Yeah, the, the, um, the case of the, the X comes home. Um, Cetriano and Honorat for Brest and Savenier's late penalty uh, sort of spoiled the uh, the clean sheet, but nothing more. Good win that for Brest, but not your day, Phil. No, and after, okay, they, they were on a bad run. Then they drew 0-0 with Nice. Good. They beat Bordeaux 2-0, standard. And now this, it's like, yeah, it's they're not gonna get anything more than the ventre move. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good weekend for any of us really, which we won't um, come on to. But the this match is notable if you can be bothered to look it up for the um, Breast fans' attempts to put Savonier off for his penalty. Oh, it's this, well this is. This is Bungate, isn't it? Yeah. Behind the goal. yeah. Uh, this is the the arses 
Yes. It is. It's better than, um, I seem to remember a gentleman, I think it was Leeds a few years ago, who got a little bit, was it Newcastle? He got a little bit more out. On oh, the was, wheelie yeah. cop. There was one, yeah. there was an England fan that did it for Pirlo's Penenka. There was. The penalty shootout. There was, you're right, yeah. Um, don't do that, kids. I think it was um, Joe Hart. Yeah. <laughs> um, who uh, who was busy dealing with broken bottles in his panels here at the weekend? But still, um, yeah. If you if you um, if you go out in public, boys and girls, maybe don't do that because you do end up in in jail. So don't. Yeah, we don't Can recommend just, that. Sorry, going back just because something Phil said. Remind, yeah, meeting someone as standard just reminded me. Um, Marseille, as we said, beat Saint Etienne. Apparently, that's the first time in their history that they've beaten both Bordeaux and Saint Etienne away in the same season. That's quite the stat. That is quite the stat. Uh, four and two. It's taken them being both in the bottom half of that happened. So, well, in Bordeaux, I think half the team was off with COVID as well. The thing that got me with with the Saint Etienne game, seems on it as well. Four two win for Marseille, as we kind of mentioned earlier. Right? It was put off a day due to snow, and then commenced on the Sunday. Uh, Boenga opened for Saint Etienne, and then Marseille went a bit goal crazy. Dimitri Payet from the penalty spot, that aforementioned Kolodzijo Jack goal, um, Bamba Diang from the spot, and then Harit with probably the pick of the goals uh, with twenty to go. Um, I've got to pronounce this one carefully. Gona Duath, Duath. I think that's well. correct for. We'll go with that um, for St Etienne late on. But it was one of those like collapses that we haven't seen from St Etienne for a while. I wonder if that was a bit alarming or whether it was just a case of circumstances of the game and it just went away from them. But they did seem to slide away quite quickly, having been, I wouldn't say comfortable, but based on what I saw in the first half, they were they were all, you know, they weren't like hanging on for dear life. And then all of a sudden the, the roof fell in. Um, just when does that worry, would that worry you if you were sort of St Etienne's position at the moment? Either About their position would worry me. Goes without um, saying, I think, yes. Yeah. The fact is you find yourself down there because you are massively inconsistent. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, Marseille are second. I think it was their fifth win in a row, and they are not stronger away. So True. But, it, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, just, just a little bit alarming when you can see these four in, in sort of a fairly short space of time. And like you say, I I have a suspicion there are uh, worse teams in the league than Zanetian, but they will still be looking over their shoulder. Definitely uh, at least one. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe two, maybe four. Uh, Trois beat uh, Rams by a goal to nil at, at the buzzer. Uh, Ripar with the winner in the 93rd minute. I love that, haven't you? The crowd went wild. Um, good win that for Toa, who uh, who are certainly um, well. There's no real concerns for them at the moment. They're in a rich vein of form, and um, there was a red card in this one as well. Matisua with the uh, the red, uh, which didn't help Rams's uh, Rams's efforts in this particular game. But yeah, one nil defeat and, and good points for Toa uh, moving forwards. Um, speaking of moving forwards, we'll come on to we're going to preview Leon's game in Europe a little bit more in depth in a short while, but we're going to talk about their league game uh, here. They beat Andre by three goals to two. Risa Dembele with a with a couple. Um, Matthias Lago had equalised briefly for Andre. Sofiane Bouffal then equalised a second time. Uh, but uh, Tete, who's the new arrival from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, I think it is, um, the Brazilian who was based in, obviously, in Ukraine at Shakhtar before he was given dispensation to leave, Joined Leon and subsequently scored on his debut. So uh, good win. Two, two minutes in. Two minutes in. I mean, it's it's quite the way to start, isn't it? If you're going to start, that's probably the way to do it. Uh, so a good win for Leon uh, over Angers. Bill 
makes me a little bit nervous because Angers were on that horrible run of form and to allow them to score two goals mm. is a little bit awkward. Well, it's kind of Leon doing Leon things, isn't it? And yeah, which what... again, we'll come on to later. Yeah, right. yeah, we will talk, uh, talk that game. Can I give Why you just... my Leon-based stat? You, you can. Always good for a stat. So this one is the Leon... Um, I think it was the Lyon account um, tweeted, no one has scored more goals than Dembele in Ligue 1 in 2022. And I was thinking, (laughs) that's quite impressive, but also sounds dodgy. So I looked it up, and to be fair, he scored eight goals and no one has scored more. But Ben Yedder, Mbappe and Terrier have scored the same number. So it just it seems slightly less impressive after that. Yeah, <laughs> not quite as good when you put it that way, is it? Yeah. Um, Leon do do love a, a pat on the back stat there, don't they? But well, yeah, no. you hear um, we may be going forward, but Olas says he had a premonition that Leon would win of course he did. the Europa League, which came to him in a dream. So maybe he's also running the stats tweets. I don't know. If I'm just going to put this out there, if they do win the Europa League now, we are never going to hear the end of that, are we? I mean, that is going to be. Uh, the, oh yeah, no, no, so do I. But I, I, you just know that 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 is going to be trawled out as it's going to be the new Cantona follow the seagulls follow the trawler name, isn't it? I had a dream. I had a dream. <laughs> this is what happened. But I yeah, have I have a dream. But like you guys, I, mean, I, I hope it happens. You know, I mean, it would be fantastic for French football, to be fair. And say so we will come on to that. But um, one thing we are going to gloss over fairly quickly is the, is the Sunday evening game because you know the oh, champions won a game. On. Well, the I mean, three you know, superstars all scored. But I mean, they it was like. Watching Lorient in this particular game, PSG won 5 1, by the way. Let's just get that monkey off our back. But watching Lorient defend, I mean, it was like kicking a blind man's stick away and and then taking his dog out the back and shooting it as well. It was just so. Um, I, it was I think you're being very harsh on both yourselves and PSG. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I thought Lorient started well and, and, and they had, I mean, obviously PSG gifted them the Moffy goal. And, and yes, Neymar and Buffet and, uh, and Messi scored. In the same game, it's the first time, isn't it? They've all, all been on the, on the score sheet at the same time. Yeah. Um, I just it, the trouble for me is once I felt like once PSG scored, all the sort of tactical plan Lorraine had was kind of out the window a bit, and I was mm. yeah, I was not watching from behind the sofa. I was more watching from sort of inside the sofa at that point. So it's a little bit depressing. <laughs> but can I but give yeah. you my PSG stat? Uh, yes, by all means. Um, with Mbappe, one goal. Team scores one goal every 39 minutes without mm. Mbappe, one goal every 119 minutes. Yikes. Well, I mean, do, do we want to do the Mbappe now or do we want to? Do we want, I mean, because that, that is the weekend's results. Um, and as I say, we, we kind of haven't got a specific uh, area we want to focus on in this pod. We're just going to kind of talk in general. So maybe that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, let's do that. The, the, the idea. Sorry, go on. No, just, uh, yeah, I was just going to go with some a couple more Mbappe stats. Yeah, well, please do because just to tee this Jazz, up. Jazz, are you stealing my job? <laughs> he is <he's> becoming <laughs> stat man, Dave. Um, to tee this up a little bit, so basically in the press this weekend, 
in the French press, um, I think slightly beyond as well. Mbappe sort of quoted as saying, nothing's decided. This is regards to his future. Um, could I stay in Paris? Yes, absolutely. I want to make the right choice at the right time that suits me. So he is buying himself some time. And it's kind of got a few people excited and thought, oh, maybe, just maybe. There's been talk that he's going to be bought, um, you know, untold amounts of property and cars and given the captaincy of PSG, whatever that, you know, means or doesn't mean, depending on how you see it. Um, I actually saw that he'll have a say in recruitment as well. Yeah, I saw that as well. And and, I, and that, yeah. And and to be to be honest, like if they were ever going to do it for anybody, I suppose he would be the player to to do it for. Um, I think the, you... the bit that really got people was he said there's new elements yeah, that, that um, was interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. New elements come to light. So and they also you, say that there's a third club that's interested. Yeah, um, I mean, Noriano are keen, but I don't think we can put the financial package together, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, Brighton were also mentioned, possibly by you. Swap yeah. deal with um, Neil Moke, maybe. Neil <laughs> for Paris. But, but what, what... I mean, where, where do you sit on it, Jez? I mean, do you think this is a bit of posturing? I mean... Because if, if he signed a deal with Real Madrid, um, do you feel like it would have leaked by now? Or is this just clever sort of, you know, he doesn't want to burn bridges. He wants to stay sort of, you know, in, in the the good books before potentially a move. Or do you think there is something in this? Maybe he's maybe he's waiting for the coaching decision as well. Could that play a part, perhaps? Maybe he's got a say in who, who the coach will be. I don't know. <laughs> Although by all accounts, he gets on very well with Pochettino. Mm. I think... Um, I've got issues with Mbappe, and if if we talk about the France match, then later on, then I'll bring them up. But I think one thing he's clearly brilliant at is communication. Um, he's made a couple of missteps, but generally he's very good. And I actually genuinely don't think he's a game player. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting that he's he's appeared watching PSG's handball team and watching. PSG's women's team in the in the Women's Champions League in the last week or so. So I don't know if he's sort of sending out signs there that he's kind of, you know, absolutely part of the PSG wider project or, you know, wanting to look like sort of Mr. Paris or something like that. But I, I genuinely think that arguably he doesn't know where he's going yet. I I just, I think he's fascinating because I, I really, as well as I think being the best footballer in the world at the moment, I feel like he's kind of ready to, this sounds like ridiculously dramatic, but sort of cross boundaries that other players haven't done yet. So like, for example, in the France get together last week, he refused to join in with the sort of photo shoots for um, various sponsors. And, you know, depending on which bits you believe, you know, it might be because morally he thinks it's wrong to be sponsored and promoting McDonald's, or he just is only concerned with his his sort of personal image rights, that kind of thing. But either way, that he's got that kind of influence that he basically got away with it and it has started a new debate on players' image rights, that kind of thing. I really think that he can he can be sort of not the first modern footballer, but almost like there will be a sort of before and after Mbappe. And he can call whatever shots he wants now, I think. Partly because I think he's the best player right now. And partly because, like that stat I just gave, PSG are so reliant on him. And frankly, Real Madrid, yes, Benzema's having an amazing season, but he's 35. 
they lost 4-0 to what is still a despite them being in good form still an average Barcelona team they scraped past Celta Vigo the other day they're not a great team so they can he can basically name his price for either club um but also I you know I, I don't know exactly what motivates footballers when they get to a certain point but surely it doesn't you know if you're offered like 100 million a year or 101 million a year does it really make any difference anymore um so I, I really think that probably he'll go to the clubs that offer the most interesting non-footballing package if you know what I mean not sorry non-monetary package yeah so it might be having a say in formation it might be captaincy which I think is weird because it's literally just wearing an armband it's not like rugby or cricket um it might be who can offer certain guarantees in terms of image rights um yeah I don't know but I, I really the world's his oyster at the moment I mean he scored you know they beat Laurie on 5-1 he scored three and set up the other two uh, sorry scored two and set up the other three against France he scored I think he scored to set up one by the way apparently that's his fifth, fifth France match in a row where he scored and assisted and he scored two set up one and had the second to last passed in the other two so he's basically been four goals four assists and involved in 10 goals in two matches over sort of five six days it's pretty good and I'm still going to quibble and say that I think he was he was still extremely selfish in, in, in France match but then at the same time it's difficult to say well why shouldn't he be if, if you're coming up with stats like that yeah, and it is. Do you, do you think just off the back of that, what what Chers has said there, Phil? Is there a bit of a is there a bit of a concern about giving someone the keys to a club? Almost. I mean, I know it's a different player and it's different sort of mentalities and everything that goes with it. But I saw quite similar with Aubameyang at Arsenal, and and that didn't end very well because once you've got a player who pretty much calls the shots on what they want, albeit Aubameyang's case was money. Um, it is worrying, isn't it, that if that player suddenly yeah. drops off their form, then, you know, you, you've spent a lot of money, or in this case, in Mbappe's case, you know, you've built a club around him and then one injury or one bad spell of form and it's all out the window. Is that a bit of a risk? Of course it's a risk. I mean, players are players, managers are managers, directors of football are whatever the hell they are at PSG. But, yes, that's a problem and we've seen uh, obviously there were many rumours that Messi had a bigger role at Barcelona than just being their star player and now look and that's something that weakens the coach manager weakens the system because if you have to kowtow to your biggest player, which we've seen throughout the PSG money era, um, it means that the people who should be making the decisions maybe can't make the decisions. And that is problematic. I have no doubt that uh, Mbappe is, as Jess says, going after more influence than money. 
but that's not necessarily a good thing and might need to be put on the back burner for a while and for him to work in a system. And I think we all agree that the weekend's results aside, a system is not something that PSG do terribly well. And, and I think as well from Mbappe's case, like he's 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 the only well, not maybe not the only, but one of the only and certainly the most popular members of that team that doesn't get you know booed or criti- criticized. Yeah. And he's Anyone always put it in. Anything. Exactly. He's he's always put it in. And and like you, Jez, you know, sometimes I do have a bit of a a bit of a question about the attitude, you know, specifically in a front shirt, because I guess when you're that good, you sort of almost think, well, I'm untouchable, so I can do what I want. And I, and I do get, and, if, and it's a little bit like, sorry to use another Arsenal analogy, but it's a bit like sort of the Ian Wright syndrome. If you take that type of thing out of the player, you take the ego out of the player, you don't have the same player. Maybe Ronaldo's the same. But if he, if, if he was to go... There must be there must be a small part in his in his head, even with, with the royalties that come with it, to think, well, am I going to get what I've got at Real Madrid? You know, as you said, he loves Benzema, but Benzema is what maybe two years max at the top level. He's one big injury away from you know potentially missing uh, the next stage of his career, if if at all. I mean, it it is risky, and and talk about going from one sort of pool of when you, God knows what when to you another. talk about. You know, Ronaldo, etc. The players that demand more. It works sometimes, but you look at Ibrahimovic, mm. and what was the the stats for Sweden? I'm going to ask you, Jess, because you're stats guy today. But I <laughs> think it seen. was over the past couple of years they do better without him. Mm. So it's not a given that giving your star player massive influence is a good idea. And yeah. with how Portugal have been playing recently, I think you can say that's more about um, uh, other players learning to play with the great man rather than him growing up and acting like an adult. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea, but given how PSG is run, as we have discussed many times in the past, uh, the manager doesn't really manage. So mm. it kind of matters less. There was there was really good... Sorry, yeah. go on. No, that was just trailing off into a <laughs> depth of woe. Go for it. <laughs> there was a really good editorial by Vincent Toulouk after the... PSG Real Madrid shambles in which he he really slated the club and he kind of said by he sort of said no player is greater than any club and by PSG treating certain players as bigger than the club they've inadvertently made Mbappe bigger than the club if you see what Mm. I mean and I think there's very very few players in history I guess who aren't bigger than a club, but sort of sort of got the broad shoulders to be able to carry a club, at least for a period of time. And I think Messi could do that at Barcelona, partly because I think his style of football is very much as a team player, despite the, the goal scoring stats. Ronaldo has sort of demanded that wherever he's gone. Um, 
and the problem in both those cases of, is obviously when they get too old that they can't do it anymore and their form falls off a cliff, then if their club has been built around them, that's the problem. And Barcelona, I think, now after a period of adjustment, um, are playing more as a team because they're not always looking to Messi. By the way, this kind of happened to France as well. The number of France players that would be quoted as saying, when we didn't know what to do, we'd give the ball to Zidane, which again, makes sense. But then it means they all forget to play football or learn to make take responsibility themselves. So I think like this year, Messi and Mbappe, it shows that Messi just isn't up to doing that anymore. Mbappe in the form that he's currently in is up to doing that. But it's a very dangerous game because as long as they're in that form, great. But if they leave or if their form goes or if they get injured or whatever, then you've got, yeah, 10 other players who've, who've forgotten to play as a team. Um, and then I think from Bappe, I don't know, I feel like he's maybe, maybe his thinking will be, I've given myself the chance to go down in PSG history as, as helping them to their first ever Champions League I've given up. It's not going to happen. So my next project is um, sort of rebuilding Real Madrid and putting them back at the top of world football. And I do think that he's sort of entitled to kind of think big in those terms now, even Mm. at only 23. But it's a dangerous game because, um, you know, you've got to consistently back it up with performances. And I guess, you know, for all their Fools, or certainly in one case, if you ask me, Messi and Ronaldo have just set the bar so ridiculously high. I mean, I think it's true what someone said the other day when, when after the the France match, people were giving Mbappe all these stats and saying, you know, uh, Henri's age, he only had eight goals for France. You've got, I can't remember what it is, 26 or 28 or whatever it is. Surely you're going to break his record. And he was kind of, in so many words, saying, of course I'm going to break his records and it will be really soon. And, and someone said, Mbappe's not even thinking about Henri's record. He's thinking about Ronaldo's international record. Mm. And I think that's probably true. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think the bottom line is he can, he can do what he wants, but wherever he goes, the club has to be very careful not to be sort of too reliant on him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's perfectly well summed up. Um, in all in all cases, really, and as we said, I think it's on last week's pod. It will be very interesting to see if he does go. What on earth next for Project PSG to use that? I, I mean, I I really think it could be good for them in the long run. I mean, the main thing, whether he stays or goes, I think is ditch Messi, ditch Neymar. I was just going to say, ditch, ditch a few others lot. as well. Yeah. They got to, I think, face the around their some of their youth players and if it means not winning so much for a couple of years or not being competitive in the Champions League for a couple of years so be it but in terms of I don't know I suppose it all depends on what the Qataris objectives are in terms of winning friends I think they'll become hugely more popular especially within France but outside France as well and um, I just you know I think they'll sort of arguably sort of become fashionable and, and get the commercial success they want just from a in a, a different route 
I mean, they're not for everything they say, you know, with all these obsession with their Jordan links up link ups and things like that. Sometimes you get the impression they don't actually give a shit about the Champions League anyway. It's just about commercial routes to make money. Well, if you've got some of the best young footballers in the world being produced and, and coming from the Paris region, there's so much scope to do that another way anyway. It doesn't have to be a Neymar and Messi wearing the shirt. Is that is that half the problem, though? Um, and we'll, we'll sort of wrap up PSG on this point. But is that half the, the battle that there, there it's so much about the global game and the advertising that that you can't afford to ditch Messi or, you know, or um, uh, Neymar, um, because you, you're kind of, I guess, put it another way, if Xavi, if Xavi Simons becomes, you know, the next big thing, much like Pedri is doing at Barcelona, you know, we all look at those players, we go, yeah, they're fantastic players, but I don't think you're going to see Pedri on billboards, I don't think you're going to see Xavi Simons on billboards, Whereas you probably will see those names like the, the Neymars, etc. So is that part of the issue there that it's about the name brand rather than the the on the pitch stuff? Because if they didn't win the league for four years, would they really give a monkeys? Champions League, I think, is a bit different. But I think it's look, the bottom line with Qatar obviously is it's sports washing, and mm. I. I'm uncomfortable with PSG players having to kind of appear for Qatar in various adverts I don't I I always think that actually I don't if PSG won the Champions League I don't believe that everyone will say oh well Qatar can be forgiven for all their human rights abuses because PSG won the Champions League I think never entirely bought that the sports washing thing works in some scenarios but I think it is a lot about making money and probably the number of shirts Neymar shirts a few years ago and Messi shirts now I know there's all the arguments about how much money you actually make from shirts but you know the sponsorship that's come in because of things like that I'm sure they'll make money but also you know in a few years time people can look back and say do you remember how amazing Messi was and 40 goals a season for for um Barcelona and then as soon as he joined this laughing stock in Paris he scored three goals in a season do you remember how amazing Neymar was and how super fit Neymar was and he just became this overweight sulker as soon as he joined PSG I think they can they can really they'll make a lot of money but they can really ruin their reputation I mean they're already complete laughing stock but they could sort of if they develop a reputation as a sort of footballer's graveyard, that's quite serious. Yeah, it's not good, is it? And just um, just quickly on the Neymar thing, uh, I know exactly your point you're making and you're spot on, but um, if he's overweight, I'll take it 100%. I will take that. But I totally get what you mean. He doesn't look... He looks like he's aged, doesn't he? Like 10, 15 years in the last well, year or two. Well, he also simultaneously looks like a sulky toddler at a nursery school who doesn't want to share his toys. Yeah, yeah. that is also You true. saw some of the pre-match stuff uh, yes. last there was, weekend. There was an early incident in this match where he just rammed into someone. The ball was nowhere near the guy. Mm. And I can't remember if he was booked or not, but even a booking was, was relatively... Light. It's petulance, isn't it? And it and it's that whole, you know, if you're gonna give it, you have to take it. Um, when so. when he was at, at um Santos, he was like Ronaldinho. It was a joy, like it was almost funny to watch him play football. Mm. And it was um, a badge of honor to ride tackles in, in Brazil, wasn't it? Like he used to thrive on players trying to kick it. 
Um, you know, it, it, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I remember watching him back then. And, you know, he, he would see that as you, you can't get near me. Like that was his thing. Now it's like any opportunity to go down, he's hitting the deck. Yeah. To the point where you almost wonder if that is coaching. And um, I mean, I know that since he's joined PSG, you always did a bit of that, you know, four goals against Dijon, things like that. But no offence, Chris, but, you know, people raving about his performance on Sunday night someone like Neymar who's you know eyeing up Ballon d'Or and things like that it's not against logging on that she, he should be having good matches no no I completely agree with you completely agree with you he should be doing that against Oregon in, in fairness um yeah no you're absolutely right well not just against Oregon though. no against, against those sides he should be turning up at least four weekends out of five not one weekend out of six I agree um Let's so uh, as I say th- th- with this, Bob, we wanted to sort of dip in and out of places all throughout the pod and just switch it up a bit this week. Because although obviously every week is crucial towards the end of the season, there's going to be some weeks that are more important in the European chase and other weeks at the bottom. And then there's weeks like this where there's been a little bit of everything. So um, we're going to go European heavy. Um, we'll start with you, Phil, and just have a little word on the um, Women's Champions League this this particular time because yeah. um, French teams are doing rather well. Yes. Welcome to the world of French teams doing well in their highest tier European competition. Um, so we had the quarterfinals but kind of a week and a half ago. Um, and both OL and PSG are through, but neither set of matches was without some jeopardy and nerves. Um, So in the first leg, we had PSG beating Bayern in Bayern 2-1 with the double from Marie Antoinette Cototo, who is being linked with Barcelona because, Jesus, as if they need any more world-class players. Um, And the second leg of that was a little bit nervy because Bayern managed to uh, come back from 1-0 down from Sandy Baltimore uh, with goals from Saki Kumagai of XOL and Schiller to make it 2-1 at the end of regular time. And it was... Uh, Ramona Bachman, who made the goal in extra time to put PSG through 4-3 on aggregate. Um, on the other side of the draw, well in their first leg against Juventus away, went up through Macario and then had Carpenter sent off. Uh, which meant Juventus could come back to Girolli and Bonfantino. Um, but in the return leg back at, uh, they play at Jolan, actually, the uh, OL women's team. They've kind of taken over the old stadium. Um, they won 3-1 against Juve with Adahegerberg is back. I think we're all happy to see Ada back. Um, so that finished 4 3 as well. But both of those games were a little bit nervy. But in the draw, they're drawn against each other. Yikes. 
And this is going to be, I think, the sixth time they've been drawn against each other in a WCL. So in 2015, PSG won the round of 16. In 2016, OL won semi-final. In 2017, that was the one where they were in the final together. Um, it was nil-nil. And then OL won on penalties. And then in um, 2020, OL won semi-final, 21, PSG quarter-final. They've got a really big um, kind of battle going on in Europe as well as in the league. So this, I think, is going to be fascinating because early on in that series, PSG, before they got in the kind of big money players were they were fucking Leon up because they were defending well but now PSG have got great attackers as well as I said they might lose one to to Barcelona um, in the summer but this I think is going to be a really really interesting game but on the other side we had a world record because the uh, one of the other quarterfinals was Real Barca. And Barca won 3-1 at Real and then had 91,553 people at Camp Nou for the return leg, which they won 5-2. It was awesome to watch that and I think everybody wants to avoid Barcelona and fortunately the French teams have and Wolfsburg who beat uh, Arsenal 3-1 on aggregate over two games in the other kind of quarterfinal are the ones who are up against it there so I'm guessing it's going to be Barcelona versus one of the French teams. Which one of them can try to do something against this new machine? A couple of years ago, Barcelona, it was like they had most of the Spanish team. They were kind of cool, but they weren't that great. And in three or four years, they have become powerhouse of women's football and they've got money they've got name they've got stadium they've got records and they're the defending champions and i think odds on to defend that so interesting couple of couple of months (laughs) a couple of weeks uh, in that one but really Barcelona so impressive I mean they took Real apart at the Camp Nou it was just wonderful football so I'm not sure either of the French teams has got what it takes just I was going to ask you (laughs) because now PSG have lost that defensive solidity they used to have because they now go forward more. So I 
Lord knows. But yeah. Barcelona I have any no. French players? Barcelona. I know they used to have Amrawi. But... Um, I'm not sure how many they have, but they've got good players. Amrawi is back in PSG, I think. But it's uh, they are spending more money on bringing more diverse group of people in, which is, I think, uh, a change from what they were before. Can I just, as we're talking about Spanish football now, can I just um, quickly flag an, an article that Lekip published yesterday about Griezmann and how he... Jao Felix was having a really hard time at Atletico, basically, I think was seen as a bit snooty and wasn't getting on with the other players and it was affecting his form as well. And when Griezmann came in, they thought that the two of them would sort of hate each other because they were kind of fighting for, for the same place in the team. But not only are they actually playing well together, but Griezmann has, has very much taken Felix under his wing and sort of helped him communicate and get on better with with teammates and you know made sure that he's been invited to players barbecues and things like that and apparently he did a similar thing for Dembele at Barcelona so you know even though his time arguably wasn't wasn't great at Barcelona the fact that Dembele is now doing well you know Griezmann can claim a little bit of credit for that and I know that everyone will say well I'm just obsessed with Griezmann I think he's great I do. But also, I think it sort of maybe even goes back a little bit to what I was saying to, about Mbappe. I just always sort of judge footballers either by obviously what they do on the pitch and also for certain non-footballing activities that we've talked about in the past with like Benzema and Hernandez and, and Zuma and things like that. But I think you know it's nice to that a player got some exposure for for um, sort of doing a very good thing for his team and his club and his teammates that wasn't on the pitch and arguably could even have affected his place in the team. And that is another reason why I love Griezmann. It's it's heartwarming, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's heartwarming. <laughs> we like we like these Our things. Cues. Yeah, we like and we, and we do like Griezmann. We do. So uh, um, he's just a fun guy. Uh, and a very talented fun guy, yeah. I have to be said. Um, just in the last Black couple of minutes, face. we say again. Black face. Well, okay, yeah, we 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 all uh, we all make mistakes. Um, <laughs> that one was quite a big one, I think it is fair to say. But uh, yeah, just just in the last couple of minutes, because um, we are a little bit pushed for time this week. Just before we run down next weekend's game, I did just want to quickly mention. Um, the French teams in Europe are from the men's side as well this week. So it's a fairly big week. Um, we are going to overlook Marseille Pau. Sorry, Marseille fans, but, you know, it's a bigger game. West Ham against Lyon is is the one where we're going to focus on. Um, Jez, did you want to have a say on this one? And then I'll hand to Phil as well. It's, it's, it's a, on paper, it looks pretty fun. It's at the London Stadium on Thursday, first leg. Um, Lyon's eggs very much in this particular com- competition's basket, by the judging by the league form at the moment anyway. Yeah, I think it's really important for for Lyon. I mean, I read somewhere that um, the jury is genuinely still out on whether Peter Bosch will still be there next year because it's still difficult to, it's still kind of too early to judge Lyon's season because they could still scrape into Europe and they could still win the the uh, Europa League. Um, but this looks like arguably their their 
best route at the moment. I worry about them. I think they'll play a lot of very pretty football, but I just I think they could get bullied. Kakare is injured. Mm. Um, the defence, Lukeba aside, is a little bit dodgy, um, especially the fullbacks. I think that West Ham will will sort of really attack them down the flanks, and I think the likes of Antonio um, could could really cause them problems. So. Uh, yeah, my concern is that that Leon will do the pretty stuff, but West Ham will be a lot more effective. Yeah, uh, what do you reckon, Phil? Is it, for me, I feel like Leon need to get something from the first leg, whether that be a draw, whether that be um, away, away goals in Europe. No, it's gone, isn't it now? No. Um, I, I feel like they need to be in the tie, basically going back to Leon. I, I think if they lose two yes. or three more, then that's, that's and. That. My concern is that despite the win at the weekend, as I say, conceding two to Anger isn't a good look. It's OL do seem out of sorts, whereas West Ham seem full of sorts. Back in sorts, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm thinking this might be a definitely uh, for West Ham they're going to be looking at this as kind of the high point of their season going in this they've got the fans behind them for this European campaign and yeah very doable so Two unfancy teams as well, isn't it? Like in terms of if you just started the competition and said who are your favourites, you probably wouldn't have put Leon and West Ham as potential, no. you know, competition winners at the very start. So it's it's equally big for both clubs. It's not like West Ham expect to beat Leon. Um, they're gonna have to turn up, but equally Leon have got more pedigree in Europe in recent times. So it's which yeah, it's if, interesting. If their president is claiming he's seen things <laughs> in dreams, I'm not sure that helps. I mean, Declan Rice and Leon's midfield would, would probably do a nice job. So maybe that's the next plan for his dream of, of Leon. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, I do, I do, I have a suspicion Leon might get something from this game, whether that be, you know, a draw or a, over over more. two legs. I think we're going to see some nerves. There's going to be some uh, programmes that have to be delayed because I think it could go to extra time penalties, whatever. So, but I'm not hopeful of Leon going through. No. I think would be my conclusion there. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. We will see. I will have, of course, the first leg decided um, before next show, so we'll uh, we'll at least know a little bit about what's coming next. Um, just to round off then, we will just quickly run down the fixtures for next week uh, in Liga. So they start on Friday the 8th of April, which is uh, this Friday, recording on a Wednesday at the time of recording. Um, Lorient face uh, St Etienne. Obviously, quite a big one, this one, in terms of... Um, you uh, have the, um, to get something out of that. I don't think something. I think they have to win this, Laura, personally. Yeah. I think that's a really big one for... for uh, well, it's, it's a big one for both sides, but especially with the home advantage. I think this is a game a few weeks ago we identified that needs points. Uh, Rouse against Wren. Uh, Wren will continue their 
Champions League push with a, a tough away assignment uh, at Rams. So that should be an interesting one at four o'clock on Saturday. And um, we've got Claremont against PSG and probably more important right for Claremont. Say again. Right off. Right off. I, again, it, it just depends what version of PSG turns up, doesn't it? I mean, if the right if the right version of PSG Whichever turns up. Whichever PSG turns up, I'm yeah. right off. We shall see. It's a Saturday I evening Apologies for my friends, but <laughs> you know it's true. Yeah, it, it's probably one of those that you, you assume is a defeat and anything other than that you take. Um, but that is the Saturday night game if you fancy uh, fancy a bit of that. Uh, then on Sunday, we have got the 12pm game is Bordeaux against Mets, as Jez alluded to earlier on. It's pretty much win or bust for both sides, you would you would suspect anyway, which automatically means that'll be a nil-nil draw. Um, or, as Jez said earlier, both teams to lose. Get your money on it, people. But, um, yeah. I, I really think, I think Bordeaux are going to comfortably win. It's uh, it's a massive game, isn't it? Whatever you look at it for uh, for both sides, but I hope you're wrong, Jess. But um, yeah, Sunday afternoon worth a watch. Uh, equally on Sunday afternoon, the two p.m. kickoffs. There's three of them. Angers host Lille. Um, Angers obviously finding a little bit of form after that horrendous run, but their defeat last weekend seem, means they're still kind of on the edge of things relegation-wise. They need to be a little bit careful. Um, and then Neil obviously looking to get back on uh, track in terms of their form, which has gone a bit wonky of late as well. Brest against Nantes, uh, the neutrals fun game with the weekend, I think this one. That should be a fairly decent watch, I would imagine. Uh, that's also a two o'clock kickoff. Uh, as is Monaco against Troyes, resurgent Troyes against semi-resurgent Monaco. So that, again, uh, should be decent on paper. On uh, to the 4.05 game, 5 past 4, it is Lens against Nice. Um, nice have um, dropped off a little bit of late. Uh, obviously, I suppose you could say the same about Lons. Maybe two two teams that are um, maybe would have expected to be higher up given their early say early season form, but a, a kind of not higher up, shall we say? Um, but on paper, you would imagine Monaco three wins out of the last five probably be favourites for this. Lons have dropped down the table. Strasbourg against Lyon is the six pm game on a Sunday. Yes, a six pm game on a Sunday. I think that's to do with Lyon's midweek excursions. Uh, Strasbourg still bang in form, um, still pushing for those top places, unbeaten in five. Um, they are just, what, four, five points off second place? Incredible, really. And finally, uh, Marseille are on TV, I know, uh, against Montpellier. So uh, Phil will have something to watch on Sunday night, the velodrome. Um, Marseille's home form, as mentioned <laughs> earlier on, not the best. Um, Montpellier's form, I think it'd be fair to say erratic. Is the oh, yeah. Almost as erratic as my mouse going off the side of the desk. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, um, it's one of those games, isn't it? I guess it's one of those that uh, it depends which Marseille turns up. It can spark differences in form, but I'm not sure it's going to this time. You're not going to? No, not that much. I just hope we get out of there. 2-1, 2-1, maybe. Yeah. Be okay. I mean, Marseille certainly need the points. Uh, so in, in terms of locking up second place, you would expect them to be motivated and up for it. But how many times have we said that before? And of course, let's not forget they have a European assignment in the week as well. So um, tiredness, you would imagine, will play a bit of a factor in that particular game. 
Anywho, um, we will leave it there this week. Like I say, bit of a bit of a random one, a um, little bit sort of all over the place this week. But uh, we we pick and choose what we get, dear listener. Um, so thank you for sticking with us as usual. We will be back next week to go over the weekend's games. Like I say, a couple of biggies there. Um, let's hope we get plenty more goals and uh, plenty more exciting, exciting things to talk about. So we'll be back to cover that next week. And um, hopefully, uh, Jez, you'll be there. But thank you for your time. If all goes badly on Sunday, um, you know, it's been it's been emotional. Um, but please stick with us. Thank you. I think we're all resigned to it. So it's fine. <laughs> hopefully we're all wrong. Um, and Phil, if you escape the velodrome uh, intact on Sunday night, uh, we'll of course see you next week. But thank you for your time as well today. Thank you. And uh, of course, I'll be here because uh, I, I need to be here to uh, to keep this wild panel in check. I'm kidding, of course. But uh, until next week, whichever game you particularly want to take part in or indeed uh, hide behind the sofa and to watch, as we mostly will be doing this weekend, uh, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.